I had any communication from anyone in the last few days regarding the podcast? We we did have one message this morning from someone saying Rod Holt died in 1999. Happy New Year. Uh, that's fucking. <laughs> I know that's great knowledge, isn't it? That's Macondo Siempera. He's clearly British because nobody has that knowledge about Rod Hull from any other country. <laughs> but he's got a very exotic name. What I love, by the way, is that's divided into two comments. The first details how Rod Hull died falling through a conservatory whilst fixing a TV aerial. The, the second just adds, he died, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> yep. He, he wasn't invalided. He, he died. Right, yes. Let's they do read with his emu. <laughs> What was the name of the emu? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, right. I think it was just called Emu, wasn't it? It wasn't It wasn't Orville. Orville was someone else. No, oh, yeah, who was Orville? I wish I could fly right up to the sky, but I can't. You can. I can't. You can. <laughs> Christ. That was Orville, wasn't it? Keith Harris. <laughs> Keith Internet Harris. is telling me. Google tells me it was Keith Harris. Good, good. Well... Speaking of history, hello and welcome <laughs> to That Was Genius, the history podcast in which we obsess about 70s, 80s, 90s TV. Uh, no, the history we podcast don't. in which... We do. You don't. We do. <laughs> oh, we, we bloody do. No matter how often I try and edit it out, it always creeps back in. <laughs> yes, it's the history podcast in which Tom, who is sat somewhere in New Zealand... Hello. That's Tom. And Sam, who is sat right here in the UK... Hello. Discuss history topics on a theme each week. The topic is decided the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise. And Tom, what a corker, what a laugh a minute. What a joyous, <laughs> joyous topic you've chosen this week. What have you subjected us to, Tom? Well, we, we took the baton from an audience member and we decided to go with genocides. And I... Ooh. I <laughs> uh, did genocides, I thought that was a good topic because I started researching it and there's some quite interesting ones. I've also taken this opportunity to do a bit of religion bashing this week. Oh, sweet. Good, good. So um, I've I've turned a bad thing into a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do we say? What do we say? Good. <laughs> I'm basically going to commit audio genocide. That's what I'm going to commit. Oh, we do that here. every week. We do that every week. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I struggled this week. I struggled to make it funny. But I have found a really interesting story. And I managed to find a genocide which failed. So Excellent. So there does we go. Every cloud has its silver lining. It, it does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you found a positive in all this. I'm pleased for you. Well done. <laughs> right. Have we, uh, have we got, have we got any genocide genocidal we can flip <laughs> in order to decide who goes first? Oh, well, I have got some ink cartridges, which are kind of genocidal for all of us because they're bad for the environment, aren't they? They are bad. They are bad for the environment. How's that for I, uh... thinking on my feet? <laughs> That's pretty bad. I've got, oh, I tell you, do you know what I do have? I've got a Spitfire. I've got a model Spitfire, but I'm not willing to flip it because it's a little bit fragile. I have. I've got an album, Tom, and it's it's a crime against humanity, this album. Right. I bought it as a joke, and it really is. It really is a war crime. Let, let me guess. Uh, Cliff Richard? You're not going to guess, Tom. You're not going to guess. The Wurzels. Worse. Mariah Carey does 80s French folk music. I'm going to give you a clue as to what this album is. Okay. I am Maximus Veridius Decimus. Oh, fuck me. Russell Russell Crowe sings songs from Cats. (laughs) (laughs) It is a Russell Crowe album. Russell Crowe is slash was in a band called 30 Odd Foot of Grunt or Tofog. 
to the fans and I bought their album as a joke and I'm gonna be honest it's fucking awful Tom it's a spectacularly bad album yeah well okay I didn't realise Russell Crowe was a bandman what instrument did he play was he a lead singer he was the singer he was the singer yeah he also played the percussive telephone against the hotel receptionist's head Right. Oh dear. When you were listening to it, Sam, at the end of the album, did you sort of stand up and go, I am not entertained? <laughs> I did, and I also did it in a German accent, the same as you just did. I didn't. That was, an, that was a Russell Crowe. That was a, an Italian, Roman accent. Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I not entertained. Right, let's flip this album and get on with this bullshit. Uh, oh, sorry. Do you want heads or tails? Do you want the track listing or the picture of the crying baby on the front? Aptly. Track listing. <laughs> track listing, please. Good. Okay. Did he at least? Did he at least have the courtesy of keeping it to eight songs? Eleven. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, well, in fairness, three of the tracks are different edits of the same track. Oh, so... okay. So you're closer to, to closer to nine. Yeah. yeah. Right. You've won, Tom. Excellent. Right. You're going first then. Oh, let's set, let's okay. set this off with a really amusing first half hour. Da, 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 da. Hey! <laughs> okay, now having thrown something heavy onto my keyboard, I'm just going to check that I'm still recording because we don't want to go through that again. Yes, I am. <laughs> I better check myself as well. Yep, blue wiggles, presently blue correct. Wiggles, wiggles I'm wiggles. on my blue snowball. We're all good to go. <laughs> blue snowball does sound like a very odd sexual act, doesn't it? Blue snowballing someone. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It sounds yeah. like something that would have taken place in a 80s Munich gay club. <laughs> well, Blue snowball. Speaking of Munich, I'm going to take us to Germany today. Ooh. There we go. See how I managed to segue it neatly into my topic? Yeah, that it's very nice segueing, but it also means you've got, to leave, you've also got to leave my comment about <laughs> 80s gay clubs in Munich in, doesn't it? I mean, I was never going to take that out. <laughs> all, the shit about, all the shit about all the light could go. Right. It can't. It can. It can. It can. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> well, laugh now, Tom, because you won't be laughing much for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Today, Tom, I'm going to be talking about Nakam. Now, have you heard of Nakam, Tom? It sounds like a type of therapy on the upper shoulders. It does sound like a head massage, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds like someone's going to shower you with chia seeds and align your chakras. <laughs> Ooh, not sure about that. I've got a story of revenge today, Tom. Revenge and a genocide that very, very nearly happened, but actually didn't quite. It didn't. Few. Few. Yeah. That was, it a, was close a non shave. genocide. A genocide, if you like. Mm, see what he did there. That's what happens when I don't script my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's 1945, Tom, and the war in Europe is over. What war in Europe? <laughs> okay, am I going to have to give context to World War Two? Okay, so... <laughs> bad man start heaps big fight. <laughs> Other bad men join in heaps big fight. <laughs> yes. Lazy yanks say, shall we, shall we, shall we, shall we? <laughs> Turn up eventually. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you can say what you like about Adolf Hitler, Tom. But, in fairness, he did kill Hitler. True. Yeah. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah. There's probably a reason why I never thought of it that way before. (laughs) 
Anyway, it's 1945 and the war in Europe, on paper at least, is over. Millions of displaced and decimated populations are slowly trying to rebuild their lives as Europe finally, finally is at peace. But for some people, the fallout from the war is really only just beginning. Tens of thousands of SS officers and senior Nazi officials are being rounded up and imprisoned and cases are beginning to be put together to try the worst offenders that would obviously end in the Nuremberg trials. Now, it's probably not much of a stretch to say that there were plenty of quite angry people <laughs> in Europe at this point who were looking for revenge, but most of the Jewish population at this point were far more focused with just trying to survive, get on with things and work out what to do next, whether to move back to their home countries, emigrate to the US for example, or try and get out to what was then British Palestine. Sorry, Sam, I'm going to have to... You, you did say Nuremberg trials, not the Nuremberg trials. Sorry. Nuremberg trials, sorry. Yes, yeah, Nuremberg sorry. trials. I, I just, had, I just <laughs> had to check. I had to check that there was somewhere called Nuremberg. And there is a town in... in it's the with German a very district. famous racetrack. <laughs> yes. It is, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, was, that, sorry. Was a, that was an unfortunate slip. The Nuremberg trials, <laughs> yes. Not not which Nazi can drive the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be an excellent trial, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> just a really, really long race. There's, there's an episode of Wacky Races. <laughs> All driving Volkswagen Beetles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apart from Lieutenant Gruber in his little tank. <laughs> Meanwhile, the French are driving their tank backwards around the same track. <laughs> very quickly, yeah. <laughs> and the Italians would have been driving their tank backwards very quickly around the track if it hadn't broken down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're after Alfa Romeo. A, they've yeah. just stopped for a cigarette. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Spaniards are just busy sitting by the side of the road looking at the traffic cones they've put out. <laughs> and uh, I mean, to Any be more? fair, New, Ze- <laughs> New Zealand's one, one addition to tank combat in World War II was not particularly shining, it has to be said. What was that? Google, do a Google image search for New Zealand tank <laughs> World War Two. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> oh dear. It was a converted tractor. <laughs> it was not good. Oh well, at the hands at the hands of a New Zealand farmer, it probably did all right. <laughs> Hardy folk, Hardy folk, <laughs> the New Zealand farmer. Anyway, vaguely back to the story. There were some in the Jewish community who were determined to go pretty old school or even biblical in their quest for revenge against Ooh, the Nazis. There's a nice connection here, Sam, to what I'm going to speak about. Ah, interesting. And one of these groups was called Nakam, which means revenge in Hebrew, although they always called themselves uh, Dam Yisrael Nota, or the Blood of Israel Avengers, with the acronym <laughs> DIN. Oh, right, OK. That's a bit disappointing. I was hoping that was going to translate to something more amusing, like Monty <laughs> Python's Flying Circus, or... <laughs> Or Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. (laughs) (laughs) Three men called Stephen? (laughs) The People's Republic of Judea. Or something like that. I was a bit disappointed. Oh, no, unfortunately, no. It's it's got a proper angry name. (laughs) So the group was founded by a guy called Abba Kovner. He was a poet and partisan who had escaped the Vilna ghetto in Lithuania and fought as a Soviet guerrilla during the war, as well as running a network which helped uh, Eastern European Jews escape to Palestine. And he spent the months following the fall of the Nazis visiting various concentration campsites and speaking to survivors. And he pretty quickly came to the conclusion that, in his mind at least, the war wasn't over. Europe could very easily fall back into totalitarianism and another holocaust. And the only way to avoid that was to prove that the Jewish people were a force to be recognised and wouldn't hesitate to fight back 
if they were attacked again. And how do you do that, Tom? Well, you kill every single active Nazi and six million German civilians to boot, one for every Jewish civilian mm. who'd been killed. Very much yeah. an eye I mean, for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I was about to say, but let's put that biblical phrase aside and just go for a slightly more modern phrase. Two yes. wrongs don't make a right, do they, Sam? No, not I, unless you're literally talking about mathematics and odds and evens. They do not. Two wrongs do not make a right. You're not going to make something better by killing everyone else for crying out loud. No, very much so. But you have to consider this at the time. These guys had lived through absolute hell and were pretty rightly pissed off. It should also be noted that there was a very, very, very small number of people who were actually violently vengeful against the Nazis. Most people just wanted to crack on. Uh, but yeah, completely agree. It is not necessarily the right way to <laughs> rebuild to your life business, and go forward. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so Nakam, the, the group we're talking about today, was formed of about 50 members who ABBA knew could be relied on in a pinch. All were Holocaust survivors and most had fought in Soviet-aligned partisan groups in Eastern Europe. And they had two plans. Plan A and Plan B. Plan A... Again, a bit boring, aren't they, with their names? They are, yeah. Opportunity missed there. Could it not have been... Operation Fire Sword. Yes, exactly. Or Operation Schnitzel. <laughs> Operation Take the Frankfurter <laughs> out of the can. Oper Operation Fire Sword and Operation Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Operation Fire Sausage. Fire Sausage. You don't want to be the guy put in charge of Operation Fire Sausage, do you? <laughs> there weren't I many would. volunteers for that. <laughs> spicy, spicy sausages. Operation Fire Sausage. Also, as a Jewish partisan group, I, I, I hate to I hate to point out that pork sausages aren't the sausages aren't kosher. But no, but they could be not it the best be pork, It could be pork flavored sausages. It could um, it, it could be a vegetarian sausage. It could be New corn or soy. Others absolutely. are absolutely chicken or turkey sausage. New Zealand is particularly bad when it comes to sausages. I think they have notoriously poor quality sausages, and it's not unusual to get meat flavored <laughs> sausages being sold at supermarkets. <laughs> Meat flavoured. Oh, okay. Which type of meat? Meat. Just meat. <laughs> Just meat flavoured. You can even buy sausages that already have the barbecue marks on them. Oh, yeah. You can buy those in the UK. God, that's awful. Someone's drawn well, you know them with a crayon in there. <laughs> in the UK, we have what's called Irish recipe sausages. And Irish recipe sausages are called Irish recipe because there's so little meat in them that they can't be called pork sausages. They're all, they're, yeah, they're all potato. Um, they're less than thirty percent. I think that's the same with faggots. I think. Oh, no, oh, that no context. When does a when does a sausage cease to be a sausage? It's when it becomes a faggot, which is when it's got right. less than a certain percentage of meat. It becomes a faggot. 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 Yes. Faggot. It becomes a big faggot. A faggoty. Faggoty. Faggot. For... I know you're desperate to you're desperate to butt in and explain to people what a faggot is. <laughs> right. So in the UK, and I think probably exclusively in the UK, a, a faggot is a kind of meatball. There is a particularly old school and a popular food stuff. It's kind of like Second World War desperation food. Called a faggot, and you can still buy Mr. Brain's faggots in a box in cheap supermarkets. And Tom is deliberately making my life difficult. 
and now I have a moral conundrum about whether I leave a this or not. A faggot is also a bundle of sticks. It is also a bundle of sticks. But a faggot yes. is also a bundle of sticks. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So a faggot can be many a thing. Yes. So anyway, Plan A, also known as Operation Fire Sword. Fire Sausage. Fire. No, that's Plan B. <laughs> Plan A was the mass... This is probably why they had a plan A and a plan B, didn't they? It's because they realised if they tried to give it a funny name, all 50 members of this group would just want to say, and they wouldn't be able to agree. It'd be fire sausage, fire banana, fire cheese, fire schnitzel. It would just be all there. Chaos. They would never get anything done. Absolutely. Well, what they should have called it, Tom, was Operation Red Sea, because it was the mass poisoning of German water supplies. Nice. Yeah. And literally their plan was to poison the entire municipal water supplies of several large German cities, starting with Nuremberg, uh, in order to attempt to kill six million German civilians. And that was their targeted number. They wanted to kill a German civilian for every Jewish civilian who had been killed in the Holocaust. Plan B was the specific poisoning of the SS and Nazi high command. So there was the general poisoning and then there was a very specific poisoning too. They're not hugely varied in their plots. <laughs> they had a bit of a one-track mind, but there were two plans. So in July 1945, Abba Kovna, the head of Nakam, headed for Palestine in order to try and get hold of enough poison to kill an entire city. Wow. He was under the cover of a British soldier of the Jewish Brigade on leave. So by this point, the British were worried about the influx of European Jewish refugees to Palestine. Tensions were rising very quickly. The British were struggling to keep a lid on the situation and had largely put a stop to it. They were turning back ships. They were um, basically kicking people out of Palestine if they didn't have the paperwork to be there. And people smuggling was rife and a real problem. The Jewish Brigade was a British army unit formed of men already living in Palestine during the war. And so they could return home pretty much at will. And so by taking on the cover of a Jewish Brigade soldier, he could come and go, more or less. Meanwhile, whilst he was in Palestine, another member of the group, Willek Schwerzreich, which is the most German name I've ever heard. Yeah. Willek Schwerzreich. Just sounds like one big long slur, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> he managed to get himself a job as an engineer at the Nuremberg Municipal Water Nuremberg Municipal Water Supply Company. I'm going to keep making this mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. Oh, how did it take me this long to think of the pun wacky racists? (laughs) 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 Wacky racists, wacky racists. (laughs) That was my Muttley laugh. (laughs) Yes, so the water company was infiltrated. And whilst he was employed by them, Vilek found plans for the supply and identified all of the valves and inlets where the poison would need to be added for the best effect. What poison Uh, did they go for? Oh, I don't actually know. It's not really written down in any source that I can find. They did use... (laughs) Plan plan B... No, I've checked that one. Don't try and make yourself sound smart, Sam. <laughs> I have, all I the have checked that sources, one. All of the individuals that I've interviewed in the past <laughs> two days. No, no, no. I've found that none a... of them could shed light on this fact. I've read, um, a, I've read a couple of books. Plan B, we know what poison, and we'll come on to what poison it was for the poisoning of the SS, but we don't know about the water supply, unfortunately. What they should have used is fucking fluoride. That's what they should have used, Sam. <laughs> Biggest poison in our water supply, fluoride. Yeah. Yeah. Calcify our pineal glands. That's what they should have done. 
But alas, the bloody Jews are now doing it today, aren't they? Because it's the Jews that control the water systems in Western Europe. And they're putting fluoride into our pineal glands. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, it turns out, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your viewpoint, finding enough poison to kill a population, uh, especially a civilian one, is pretty tricky. The Jewish underground Unless movement... you use homeopathic methods. Well, absolutely, yes. All you need to do is put one drop into the water supply and it'll become more and more Boom. potent. Yeah, absolutely. Gone. Although, ironically, isn't it true that every time you take a sip of water, there's at least one atom in there from Hitler? I, I think that's some bizarre true fact. Yeah, they say that about Queen Victoria as well, don't they? They say every time yeah, you breathe in Genghis air, you Khan. breathe an atom of Queen Victoria. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me feel very patriotic until you just told me about the Hitler fact. Brings it to my... Oh, I don't know. Once you've breathed in one German, Tom, you've breathed in all of them. Doesn't matter whether it's Queen hey. Victoria or Hitler. <laughs> Good work. So, yeah, finding enough poison to kill a civilian population is pretty tricky. The Jewish underground movement in Palestine either couldn't or, for fairly obvious reasons, wouldn't supply it. And it was only after months of traipsing around that he managed to get hold of some sympathetic chemists at Hebrew University who gave him a duffel bag filled with the necessary chemicals. And so in December 1945, he headed for Egypt in order to return to Europe. But the British were quite suspicious of this guy who'd been in contact with an awful lot of the Jewish underground and very quickly arrested him. Not on suspicion of plotting acts of terrorism, but because they thought that he was a member of the Jewish resistance network in Palestine. In fact, actually, the network in Palestine hadn't really warmed to him. They pretty much refused to help him, and it's rumoured they'd even actually shopped him to the British themselves. Either way, in a panic, he threw most of the poison and cash he'd managed to get hold of over the side of the ship. And so, in one fell swoop, a stroke of luck, the entirety of Plan A failed. He was arrested and held for two months, and as soon as he was released, he quit the organisation thinking that he was basically a marked man from now on, so there was no point in him carrying on. So plan A failed. Killed a lot of fish, though. Killed an awful lot of fish, yeah. Just absolutely destroyed the Mediterranean. <laughs> and actually, through the magic of homeopathy, he still did manage to kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, just slowly. Still about... Well, actually, no, because someone else dropped in a minuscule amount of antidote. Yeah, slightly less antidote than they did mm. poison, which made it more powerful. Yeah. Yep. Plan B, on the other hand, went ahead and actually very, very nearly worked. Or it did work to an extent. At the group's Paris headquarters, a man called Yitzhak Ratner began to work on a special formulation of poison that could be added to the bread mix used to feed prisoners at the Langwasser internment camp in Nuremberg, which was home to between 12,000 and 15,000 SS and senior Nazis who'd been rounded up by the Americans and the British. Again, Nakam infiltrated the bakery that baked the prison's entire bread supply, moving what poisons they could hidden within their coats and hiding it in the walls and the floor. Now, smuggling anything in or out of the bakery was very tricky. There were strict searches in place to stop the theft of food. Obviously, it was a very desperate time in Germany at that point. But they did manage to sneak in around 18 kilograms of poison, which was enough to kill 60 thousand people wow. and the poison they used was a special mix of glue and arsenic which was apparently odorless flavorless and very effective at least amongst the stray cats they <laughs> tested it on <laughs> slightly cruelly <laughs> unfortunately it didn't mix very well with bread as it was a I was little about bit to say, yeah i was wondering if it helped it raise Helped it, helped it rise. <laughs> no. The one unfortunate thing about this poison was that it really didn't mix very well with baked goods. It just ruined <laughs> the bread. It ruined the bread entirely. So nobody wanted and to so, eat it. 
Yeah, and so what they actually had to do was to paint it onto the bread. Right, like smiley faces. Subtle, yeah, subtle. Like, <laughs> what's this? What's this delicious glaze? Why is my, why is my cob got a smiley <laughs> face on it? Why is it glowing? <laughs> Hang on, who's painted a skull and crossbones onto this pumpernickel? <laughs> who's written "Die, you German bastard" on my <laughs> on my chiapata? This isn't very yes. nice. And also grammatically incorrect. Why is because that translates as the you German bastard. <laughs> That's <laughs> grammatically awful. Which is the worst thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the wor- the only thing worse than a Nazi, Tom, is a grammar Nazi. Yes. Which you and I have been guilty of, I'm fairly sure. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> um, but there was a problem, Tom. The American guards ate the bread too. They ate the same loaves of bread. And what Nakam did not want to do... God damn, Americans. God damn. Well, it will get particularly American in a second because they'll get out of... God damn, I'm looking forward to it. I love cob. (laughs) (laughs) I just love some German bread. If there's one thing I like, it's a nice bit of cob. I love a nice bit of German cob. I was turning into a Samuel Jackson, L. Jackson. <laughs> I thought you were doing that Mr. T. That is a tasty cop. <laughs> Do you know what they call bread in Europe? <laughs> a cob. Do you know what they call bread and cheese? <laughs> a cob with cheese. <laughs> How much of the scene are you going to recite, Sam? <laughs> That's How many it. times That's... have you watched Pulp Fiction for crying out loud? <laughs> Excellent that is knowledge. a tasty carb. <laughs> that is a very tasty carb. <laughs> yes, they had a problem. The American guards ate the bread too. And what Nakam did not want to do, slightly ironically, given plan A had been to mass poison the entire civilian population of Germany, was to kill foreigners. <laughs> plan A, kill everyone, including foreigners. Plan B, kill everyone, but not foreigners. I'd become a bit more selective, yeah. By, by plan, plan B was B. slightly more selective, yeah. Operation Fire Sausage was... <laughs> it, was a, it was a refinement of Plan A. But if they'd have got to Plan Z, they would have been on the money with this and it would have succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it got less and less extreme as they went on, so Plan Z would just be to have tickled Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that is something that used to happen in gay bars in 1980s. <laughs> oh, well, yes. <laughs> Stand up between the chairs. And dangle one's bottom, I will tickle your girdles. <laughs> oh, this is very nice. I love it when people tickle my girdles. Oh, what if your girdles are slightly bigger than the other? Is that normal or do you need to see a doctor? <laughs> Let's daisy chain and then we can all tickle each other's girdles. <laughs> ah, no, get them out of my mouth. I have no desire to gurgle your girdles. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Do not push them in the very fire exit. I do not want to hurdle your kerbals. <laughs> Remove them from the pastry. I do not want to strudel your kerbals. Why have you got a belt around them? Why have you girdled your kerbals? <laughs> Take them out of my face. I do not want to nerdle your kerbals. <laughs> oh, now here we are just giggling at kerbals. <laughs> I'm glad we're managing to get some humour out of this. So anyway, (laughs) yes. So anyway, Nakam did what they were very good at doing and managed to get a couple of people into the prison camp working as clerks, guards and cleaners. 
And they pretty quickly worked out that whilst for most of the week the Americans ate the same bread, on Sunday the US soldiers were given a special treat. Rather than the traditional icky German bread with all its flavour and nutrition, they were given good old American white bread, Tom. Oh, the far superior sugar-filled yeah. monstrosity of their homeland. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably all with some... the goodness removed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's how I like it. Presumably they were given some god-awful orange cheese to go with it as well. Oh, God, None yeah. of this poncy European crap with flavour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that, that gooey orange cheese that comes in a packaging that makes it look like a plastic. Looks like it should have come out of a first aid kit. Strip it off and apply <laughs> it to your burns. Oh, no. Can you imagine? But yeah, on Sunday they were given good old American white bread. Which meant that there was one day a week where the Germans and their filthy black bread-eating ways were isolated. So the date was set for Saturday the 13th of April 1946 for the mix to be added to the bread. Unfortunately, that day, the bakery workers decided to strike spontaneously, so half of the poisoners couldn't get into the bakery. The three that did managed to paint 3,000 loaves with the arsenic mix. Far less than they'd hoped, they were aiming for 14,000, but still pretty good going. And sure enough, the next day, 2,200 SS prisoners at the camp were poisoned. Over 200 of them ended up being hospitalised. It's not known if anyone actually died. Some estimates say that no one died. Some estimates say that around 400 prisoners were actually killed in this mass poisoning attack. We'll probably never know. The records are, frankly, a little bit patchy. Again, Sam, Nor let's not pretend really you, went to, why... you went to the National Office of Records <laughs> and have been flicking through... No, I didn't go to the National Office of Arsenic. 70-year-old document. I did read, I did read several... Blowing ar- dust off them. I did read several... the records here of the hospital. I read several articles, including records from the time on the poisoning. I will Excuse have you me, know. Sir, we're going to have to shut up the library now. It's midnight. Sorry, I've just got I've just got to finish looking at this document. You've been in here for three months researching this. I know, but I've got to do it for this podcast. You went on Wikipedia. Are you done? <laughs> I did not just go on Wikipedia. I looked up several primary sources from the time. It's quite well documented this. And if you're quite done mocking me. Then you're more than welcome to come over here because I made you a sandwich. Oh, lovely. Has it got a nice glaze? German bread with sausage. I've to get your cob in my mouth. I've known it for a long time. I'm not going to fall for that one. Damn, Operation <laughs> Fire Sausage. <laughs> fire Sausage off. It's been foiled. It's called Operation Fire Sausage because of the inevitable burning sensation in my dick after Fetid. it's been in your STD adult mouth. <laughs> your fetid, your fetid <laughs> gob. Oh, if you... We wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. <laughs> I am going to have to edit that last bit out, not because it's not a good comeback, but because she listens to this podcast and hates it enough already. She already thinks you're a massive disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, she had words. Hello, Mum, by the way. She had words with me about it at Christmas. She? <laughs> yeah, she said, I don't think people appreciate the sense of humour, Sam. <laughs> Anyway, why more people didn't die, we'll never know, given how much poison was put on this bread. The two most likely options are either that the poisoners in the bakery painted it on too thinly, 
and it was watered down somehow or some of it scraped off during the transport process or that the prisoners took one bite of the bread and thought hang on this bread tastes awfully arsenic-y today (laughs) (laughs) yeah I uh, I think I will leave this one today. <laughs> Suddenly, I am not feeling so hungry. <laughs> Either way, after the attack, uh, Nakam largely broke up. Most members considered that they'd given it a pretty good go and gotten at least some revenge, so that it was time to move on with their lives. A few diehards did persevere with plotting attacks against former Nazis, though, but with funds drying up as the world frankly moved on, most ended up turning to a life of crime to survive and ended up in prison. However... A final twist to the story is that in 1999, a criminal case was opened up in Germany against two of the plotters, a guy called uh, Lip Kedistel and another called Joseph Harmatz, who were two of the original group members. They appeared in a documentary on the, so- on the subject and talked about their actions in it, and German prosecutors opened up a case. However, very quickly it was dropped because of the unusual circumstances surrounding the poisoning. I. So essentially, the, the Germans... Yeah. And the fact that all of the victims were former SS yeah, yeah, members. Yeah. <laughs> so the German prosecutors basically said, um, you know what, despite the fact that you have appeared in this documentary and given a very thorough first-hand account of your desire for revenge, the actions you took to exact revenge, uh, where you bought the poison from, a long list of names of who you talked to, I, the evidence just isn't convincing enough to launch a prosecution. <laughs> we will overlook this You may one. go. <laughs> Oopsie, I appear to have dropped the files. <laughs> and don't let me see you in here again. I can't turn two blind eyes. <laughs> yeah, say what you like about the Germans. By and large, they have been quite apologetic. Yes. <laughs> Listen up, Japan. <laughs> and so there we go, Tom. The poisoning that... Uh, the, well, the genocide, attempted genocide, that very nearly happened well, and I didn't d- quite. I'm g- I feel like... The Jews are going to get a bit of a bad press in this episode. Oh, that'll be new. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, historically new. Yeah. I, I don't want it to sound to listeners like a sort of attempt of Sam and I to belittle the significance of the Holocaust by sort of standing up and saying, Oh, but the Jews are. Oh, Christ, no. Oh, but the Jews. It's not one of those at all. No, it's no, just no, no, no. That's absolutely. That is not what I'm doing at all. I wanted to try and find a genocide that hadn't worked. Exactly. And it didn't involve millions of deaths. Perfect. And I went biblical. And if you go biblical, if you go Old Testament, you're talking about Jews. So it's not it's just coincidence. Anyway, yes, yeah, so I've been looking at genocides and mass violence in the Jewish Bible or Tanakh. spelled differently, but it's pronounced Tanash. And hence the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, because they're essentially the same thing. Yeah. Incidentally, people may have heard of the Torah. That's not actually the Jewish Bible. That It's only the first of three parts of the Jewish Bible, the Torah. So the Jewish Bible as a whole is actually called the Tanakh. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, well, I can actually, the Tanash, now let's see if I can remember this. The Tanash is actually an abbreviation. The T, the N, and the K stand for the three different parts of the Tanash. T being Torah, oh, N being the, something okay. else, and K being something else. Um, so yeah, there are three components to it. And I think it's the first two components, the Torah and the second part, which are basically very, very similar to the Old Testament. And I think the third part might be slightly different, but I, I wouldn't quote me on that. Anyway, because we're talking about the Jewish and the Christian Bibles, uh, many of the stories will be found in the Quran too, because obviously Islam is the, the third of the major Abrahamic religions, and it's actually the last of the three, uh, being about a thousand years younger than Judaism, and uh, Christianity is sort of in the middle of the two. So there you have it. There are also um, people 
uh, may not know this, but there are a number of other smaller Abrahamic religions like the Yazidis, which have been in the news in the last couple of years as yes. a result of ISIS. They've been not particularly well treated by ISIS. So the Yazidis, that's, a, that's an Abrahamic religion. Also Rastafarians are more quite a well-known one. They're also technically an Abrahamic religion. And what do we mean by Abrahamic? Well, it's probably worth just mentioning that for people who aren't particularly religious. The Mormons are as well, aren't they? they yeah, uh, yeah, I bet they are. Yeah, they probably are. Yeah, because Jesus yeah, visited it, America. Yeah, yeah, it's an offshoot, definitely an offshoot of Christianity. So what do we mean by Abrahamic? Well, Abraham is a very major early figure in the religious books of these religions. Importantly, they all recognise him as such. They all recognise him, Abraham, as a very important figure. Here are some important facts that I think we should all know about Abraham. So, amongst other things, he received the covenant of circumcision from Yahweh. Yahweh being the um, Old Testament God. Yahweh. Yahweh. Is it pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh or Yahweh? I only know it from there's from the hymn, Yahweh. So I think it's Yahweh, but I don't know. Oh, that yeah, might that just was, be a that was the musical Deck pronunciation. Hymn, wasn't it? Yeah, we. Yeah, the mic. Well, I just rock the mic. Watch us rock the mic. Shake. I was blind. Yeah, we. Nice. Oh, yeah. See what we did there. Good, great chill reference. Yeah, right? yeah, good. Basically, the covenant of circumcision is basically you cut off your foreskin and you cut the foreskin off those blokes um, around you, and uh, I'll keep you in the good books. So that's what God said. Bit weird, really, isn't it? <laughs> that is a very specific. <laughs> yeah. yeah it is it's like cut off your foreskin i'll look after you what's in it for god what does god want with all of those foreskins necklaces or maybe he doesn't have one yeah but a really big willy i don't know he, he might need numerous foreskins to replace this one that well, I, I don't know it's all very odd very very odd who can say he had a son called isaac when he was a hundred years old did abraham lad i know so a, a very so did hugh very Hefner. fecund well, Hugh Hefner's not the worst of the lot. Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner, I think, was in his late 50s when he had his last child. Mick Jagger, he was 73. <laughs> and he already had two kids in their 40s. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, literally old enough to be his kids' kids. He, he certainly can't get no satisfaction, can he? <laughs> well, it sounds like he can. <laughs> yeah. Quite the opposite, in fact. Talking of the Rolling Stones, Ronnie Wood had a child and he was 69 as well nice 69 so i think what this tells us is that if you start them up if you start them up they'll never stop you make an old <laughs> man cry you make an old man cry get out your cot don't give me that glare my back's too fucked to pick you up out of there <laughs> stop me up did you did you pre-prepare this <laughs> Completely off the cuff. I haven't been singing that all day in front of my children. No, all off the cuff. <laughs> so my segueing into the Rolling Stones was, or oh, Hugh Hefner and the Rolling Stones, you'd literally come up with a list of the oldest people to have kids. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was, a, that was a neat segue, wasn't it? It was beautiful. Cut that bit out and just make it look like it was seamless. <laughs> Another bit of fun about Abraham, and this is where we get a bit genocidal, um, he asked God to hold off killing everyone in Sodom and Gomorrah and we've mentioned this before in a previous episode. I can't remember what the episode was about. It may well have been the um, slavery episode. God told Abraham to find ten good people in Sodom and Gomorrah and they'd think about being nice. When some of Abraham's people tried, the people of Sodom just tried to bum them. Because the people of Sodom were just walking around just looking for things to bum. They just wanted to put anything they could find. They'd stick their willy in. 
And so here we get a nice divine genocide because God just killed them all with fire and brimstone as a punishment for being bastards, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, they weren't actually bastards, they just were Sodomites. So there we go. That's the, that's the first Old Testament genocide I was going to mention. Incidentally, Abraham, another final fact about him, was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac to God when God asked him to. But alas, God, <laughs> you never guess what's that. You probably have heard oh, this story, but you never guess what. God Surprise was, me. God was joking. So, oh, I know, I know. So just, just as Abraham, right, was about to cut Isaac's throat, God said, I'm just joking. Huh. I didn't really want you to. I was just going to test test your loyalty because I'm a bit of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> just testing you. Just testing to see if you were going to do it. Yeah, so that's that's what um, Yahweh is like. Um, bit of bit of a gift. Yeah, it's a bit of a dick, isn't it? Yeah, let's move on to Moses, shall we? Let's move on to Moses. Uh, Moses is told by God to go to Egypt and command the Hebrews to leave to Canaan. The pharaohs of Egypt don't play along. Um, so after 10 plagues, just as a wee bit of divine foreplay, God kills all the firstborn of Egypt. There you go. Another bit of fun. But um, another bit of another bit of fun by Yahweh. He's such a he's such a lark, isn't I he? Know. He's such a lark. This time he wasn't pretending though. Oh, I'm actually going to do it. I'm actually going to do it this time. No, no, there's nothing you do about it. I'm going to kill everyone. I'm going to kill the firstborn. Everyone. Yeah. There's the golden calf. Have you heard about the golden calf episode? This is also a Moses story. No. Uh, so Moses, right, he's busy collecting the Ten Commandments, okay? So he's away for a while, 40 days and 40 nights, in fact. And when he returns, he finds that the bloody Israelites that he's leading have only gone and started worshipping a bloody golden cow statue, Sam. Hey? A uh. golden cow, the freaking idiots. God is livid. Moses is very unhappy too. They're quite the pair, those two. And Moses goes to the neighbouring tribe of Levi in their snug-fitting, bottom-hugging denim pants and tapered <laughs> denim jackets. Mmm, double Indeed. denim. Ooh, darling. <laughs> <laughs> triple denim if you have a nice denim cap as well. So that was the tribe of Levi. Very stylish. Quite expensive All as well. in smoking Marlboro Reds and <laughs> yeah, riding on right. horses. With their spurred boots. Yep. These chaps didn't worship the cows. They were in the good books. And so I quote from the Bible. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whosoever is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, put ye every man his sword upon his thigh and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. There you go, just a bit of a genocide there for you from Moses. A cheeky little genocide. Just a, just a, just a, little, gen, just a little genocide on the side there. Uh, Moses, oh, so that's the, first, that's the first known incident of people using the excuse, I was just following orders. Well, I think we'll, find that, we'll soon come to find out that the Israelites just loved orders. They just seemed to be completely incapable of doing anything on their own. A little bit like the scene from The Life of Brian where a big crowd of people are following Brian out of the city gates, pick up his sandal, and go, it's a sign, this sandal. It's just like that, just a moronic group of people. doing it. <laughs> Anyway, Moses also goes on to kill the Amorites after defeating their king Sihon. Quote, they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left him remaining, and they possessed his land. There you go, another bit of genocide for Moses. Moses likes a bit of genocide. Uh, what about the Midianites, I hear you say, Sam? Well, good question. Oh, I was just about to say. Yep. 
Everyone, the Midianites. Don't leave the Midianites out, Tom. Never they've, had leave, enough of, they've, they've had enough of rough times, it is. I know. You cannot... Don't leave the Midianites out. Quote, Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman that has known man by lying with him. But all the women children that have not known man by lying with him, keep alive for yourselves. There you go. Thanks, Moses. So kill everyone So male. slaughter everyone except the virgins. Yeah, exactly. You can keep the virgins, you can rape them. There you go. Thanks, Moses. And thanks, thanks Yahweh, for being such a good It's the least God. you deserve. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yahweh sounds a bit like... Did you, did you ever play The Sims when you were growing up? No, but I, I, know, I know of The Sims, yeah. He sounds a bit like the guy playing The Sims, where you build a beautiful little house for them and a beautiful world, and then you absolutely ruin their lives by making them stay up late, <laughs> poo in the kitchen, <laughs> you build a swimming pool, and then you take the steps out, so they're stuck in the middle of the pool. <laughs> Is that what you could do in The Sims? Oh, yeah, you could be an absolute psychopath. <laughs> oh, God, that's horrible, isn't it? Like the Truman Show. Yeah, essentially. Like the Truman Show, but with more deliberate <laughs> ruining of lives. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Or Tamagotchi. Well, yes, or, or Tamagotchi, yeah, absolutely. Here's a bonus story <laughs> about Moses that I also think you'll like, Sam. Uh, Moses was watching the Battle of Rephidim against the Amelica... Amalekites, Amalekites, Amalekites. Let's try Amalekites, and he begins to realise that every time his arm is raised, his side start winning the Israelites, and so he keeps his arm up until his arm gets really tired. Then some of his aides hold it up for him, which is a great example, I think, of the Israelites just being completely incapable of showing initiative. You know, as a what he's put his arm down he's put his arm down we can't fight oh he's put it back up again right we can fight now come on come on boys let's fight his arm's gone back down oh he can't possibly fight the orders are very clear only fight when his arm is up I'm fairly sure that's what he said it's it's like a railway signal stop if it's down if it goes up carry on crack on I do find it slightly ironic no he didn't say Simon says yeah yeah Simon says, uh, you're out. <laughs> Simon says, cavalry charge. You didn't do it. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, I do find it slightly ironic that a major figure in Jewish history won a battle by doing a Sig Heil repeatedly. And I think that's... I, I, was, what, I was debating whether to make that yeah, joke. I think it, well, I think it's actually... The joke isn't ours. I think it was a very omniscient god sniggering to himself, saying, oh, they're not going to get the irony of this for at least a few thousand years. But when they do get it, <laughs> they're really going to appreciate it. I the thing about being omniscient so and omnipotent is you can string out a one-liner. <laughs> you can get fantastic jokes. <laughs> fantastic 2,000-year joke. It's a bit like watching Arrested Development. Spent two series setting up a one-line <laughs> delivery. Anyway, probably a bit close to the mark. Moses dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moses dies. Joshua takes charge of the Israelites. Okay. When he leads the Israelites to conquest over the city of Jericho and Canaan, he makes sure that every person, ox, sheep, and donkey is killed. Which, I mean, I just can't help but feel, you know, what did the animals do wrong? And it's not like... It's not like there are some enemies there. Collaboration, Tom. Collaboration. They're collaborators. <laughs> if you're not a friend of us, you're a friend of the enemy. What was George Bush? What did he say? You're a friend? Oh, Senior or junior? George W. I think he said something like the lines of Alak kittens. Oh, you're like, it's if you're, not, if you're not with us, you're, you're with the enemy. I, don't know. I mean, he said far stupider stuff than that. <laughs> 
well, he did. Well, what else did George W. say that was stupid? Uh, humans can coexist peacefully with fish. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> let me uh, let me pull out some classic double bushisms. Our enemies are innovative, resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, I'll give you three. You're allowed three. <laughs> I know how hard it is for you to put food on your family. <laughs> Oh no! I just imagine a I just imagine a good old American father putting some pumpkin pie on his daughter's head. <laughs> Sweet potato pie on yours, son. Slop. Here you go, Rusty. In Drake tradition, as our family have been doing for generations, I'm going to put a slice of cheese on your head. <laughs> Wear it well, my boy. Um, oh, this is actually this is one of my favourite ones. Rarely is the question asked. Is our children learning? Bono stead day. Hang on. Is it, this is a particularly good this one as well. This is your fourth one, Sam. I only allocated It's my fourth three. one, I know, but I'm giving myself a Brucey bonus. Too many good doctors are getting out of the business. Too many obstetricians and gynecologists aren't able to practice their love with women all across the country. Oh, God. <laughs> Right, they should join the American gymnastics team. Um, right. So, wow. By, by this point, so we're talking Joshua's in charge. The Israelites have the Ark of the Covenant, right? We all know about the Ark of the Covenant. This is They've the one that stolen it off the Nazis. Exactly. Indiana Jones is. This is the one. A twinkle in the eye. In a U.S. warehouse somewhere. Yep. And you'll never guess what, Sam. At Beth Shemesh, some people had the audacity to look at the Ark of the Covenant. And so what does God do? Oh, fuck it up. Have a guess how many people he kills, God, as a punishment for looking uh, at it. 20,000. Double it and add on half. 50,000. 50,000. Oh, you, you took my maths from me. 50,000 people died as a result of looking at the, the Ark of the Covenant at Beth Shemesh. Anyway, uh, Saul <laughs> comes along not long after Joshua, presumably not Saul Goodman. My biblical history isn't that good, but I don't think it's the same one. <laughs> And if you were hoping for a change in leadership style, sorry, Israelites, you're still stuck with the same type. Quote, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And just to sort of round things up well, a little that bit. Sounds a little, that sounds a little harsh, Tom, but there ain't nothing wrong with slaying a bit of ass. Ooh. Let's put that out there. <laughs> Did you sort of swing a lasso around your head as you said that? <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, this is also the same Saul whose daughter marries David of Goliath fame. And as a dowry, Saul asks for a thousand foreskins. And uh, David wow. says, a thousand foreskins? What do you take me for? Some sort of fucking stingy fool? I'm going to give you 2,000. Philistine foreskins. Finest foreskins you can buy. You know, these are the, some of the nicest foreskins on the market. I've got you 2,000 of them. <laughs> Top Beautiful. quality. Fresh as the day they were born. Oh, God, Sam. What do you do with 2,000 foreskins? I mean, I've only got 50 and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I think you would do something like macaroni art. You know, where you like yeah. make pictures with pasta. I would, yeah, something like that. A nice little mosaic or mural. Or like a sort of a Diamond Jubilee, Union Jack, 
drape. <laughs> you know, just have a string going across your street with foreskins dangling off it. And, and have a street make, party underneath. I think they would make lovely sequins. Yeah. Make a nice cape or dress. Or you could maybe pickle them and use them as a garden game. You could throw them over some cocks that you've taken off some Philistines and sort of like what's oh, that wow. called? Hoop the hoop. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that's the foreskins. And anyway, so just to, just to finish this all up, just to round this up, as a summary, the Old Testament and hence the Jewish God and hence a document that strongly influences the Quran. Yeah, this Jewish God is a total bastard. And here's a nice quote from A.A. A. Milne, the creator of Winnie the Pooh. Quote, The Old Testament is responsible for more atheism, agnosticism, disbelief, call it what you will, than any book ever written. It's emptied more churches than all the counteractions of cinema, motorcycle and golf course. There you go, A.A. Milne. Incidentally, Sam, what is Eeyore's favourite thing to play with? Uh, Oh, God. I don't know, Tom. Who? (laughs) What does Tigger (laughs) enjoy jumping around with? Poo. Yeah, good, excellent, well done. Uh, what does Christopher Robin like to cuddle? <laughs> Poo. Good work, well done. <laughs> so there, there Fantastic. it is. Fantastic. There it is. There's my contribution to Genocide Week, Sam. <laughs> what a what a fun way, what a fun way to end. <laughs> if you ever needed any more reason to dislike religion, there you have it. Fantastic. Uh, we should just point out as well that all religions are equally stupid. Oh yes, absolutely. We're not being selective here. <laughs> No. Right, well, that was awkward and will require quite significant editing. Um, <laughs> thanks, Tom. Pleasure as always. And happy birthday, Jesus, for last week. <laughs> yeah. So, should we think of a topic to do next week? Yeah, well, I can't Preferably. be held. Yeah, I, I can't be given this responsibility anymore. Nope. I. Well, should we should we flip it completely and do laughter next week? Laughter and happiness, joy. No, let's, laughter and happiness. Let's go laughter because there's all kinds of things you can do. You can do people who died laughing. You can do people who got killed for laughing. You can make it as dark as you want, yeah, frankly. Yeah, the 1921 Armenian laughing genocide. Yeah. <laughs> all sorts you can go with. <laughs> yeah, and yet you chose that. Yeah, the Siamese. <laughs> the Tudor the Chew- the okay. Siamese comic twins who died a painful death in their 20s. Um, yeah, there's. <laughs> right. Okay, so laughter is the topic for next week. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I mean, enjoy might be a strong word. I hope you've tolerated it and we've all learned something get in touch with us on social media we are that was genius on instagram that underscore was underscore genius on twitter that was genius podcast on facebook you can also pop us an email that was geniuscast at gmail.com and do tell your friends about us and leave a review on your podcast app of choice right i think that's pretty much it isn't it i think it is Shall i let you go yeah <laughs> bye everybody bye